Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, before we begin, a reminder that this will be the last Hollinger and Duncan that will be available on the free airwaves exclusively we are going over to dunked on prime where there will now be four episodes per month during the season and we'll have a couple still uh, on this feed per month but if you want to get all of them it's over there and john is starting next week so we're having a one-time only john hollinger pre-sale the lowest price that we will ever offer for a yearly membership highly encourage you to take advantage of that in the next week before that first episode goes live on dunked on prime next week that's when that deal is going to end so please give it a shot and john and i in your feed we explain more about why we're doing this what kind of coverage you're going to get from us over there we hope it's going to be an even better product than it has been here but speaking of amazing products i mean last night like i i thought you your tweet kind of summed it up uh, of what it was like watching these two guys go at it uh, the one that said it was like watching Bird vs. Magic in, uh, you know, in, back when I was in second grade. I mean, it was, the, it was the only thing I could compare it to, really, where you had a matchup of the top guys in the draft that were, that were this hyped and at this high a level. Um, I was, it was funny. I, after the game, I was talking to Sam Vecini, our draft expert from The Athletic, and we were trying to go back and think of the, if there's been another matchup of the top two guys quite like this. Uh, there were, Christian Leitner versus Shaquille O'Neal was probably the best one we could come up with. Um, but even that, I mean, Leitner ended up being the third pick. I think these guys are probably going to be the top two, and we're probably going to be talking about them for a long time. So we'll see if this all lives up to the hype. Obviously, fate intervenes in all kinds of ways when you're talking about 18-year-olds and what they're going to be like in their late 20s and whatnot. But... That was just uh, it felt like like almost a magical night last night. I mean, the whole league was there watching. Uh, everyone's still in preseason, so there wasn't like the distraction of other games or whatever. Uh, and it it really could not have worked out more perfectly, I think, for the NBA. Yeah, and congratulations to everyone with the G League Ignite and Sharif Abdul Rahim for, and of course, uh, Metropolitan ninety two as well for putting this together. And it really was just. Uh, pretty crazy to see these guys and you know i'd seen one in the 2021 world championship under 19 against chet holmgren and usa and he was dominant there i think he had 24 points in that game but also got into foul trouble the thing that stood out the most to me i mean the shooting is obviously ridiculous for his size you know we've never seen anything like that i mean i remember yao at seven six was like making threes in his nba workout and that was a big deal and he was an unbelievable shooter for a big man, but when Bignana, you know, the way some of these shots he's hitting on the moving to make seven threes was ridiculous. But the bigger thing that stood out to me is I, he's blocking shots in a way that I've basically never seen. I, I mean, he still doesn't know what the hell he's doing on defense, but when he's in position, you, know, you see these guys like who are like 6'10 trying to get a hook shot over him and he just sends it back in their face every time. It, it, and he's blocking jumpers. Like you can't shoot. You have to have like, 10 feet of separation on the guy to get a jumper off. Like, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I was really impressed with some of the contests he got on jump shooters just sort of appearing <laughs> from from very far away just because his length is that, you know, that impressive. Or even the steal he had on Scoot Henderson at the end when it was overturned by replay. They called a foul on the actual play. It sort of looked like a foul from where I was sitting at the same angle that the referee did. But you could see he got his hand on the ball first, and he reached out so far. Uh, my former colleague, J.A. Adande, posted a great picture of it, just how far he reached out to get this, his hand on a ball that Henderson clearly thought the ball was completely safe. 
And I, so I do think this guy is going to be uh, able to be a pretty capable switch defender just because he can give so much space and still get a contest on the shot. Uh, so pretty, pretty impressive that way. The shooting part is really interesting because I was watching him warm up and I mean, it just looks fluid and pure. And then you go through his stats and he hasn't really shot the ball well before this year, his whole career, uh, either on threes or from the free throw line, but he's still at a young enough age where, where a shooting jump like this is very possible. And I mean, he just looks so fluid shooting it. He really reminded me of like, it was like a cross between Chris Stapps, Perzingis, and Ralph Sampson is probably the best thing I could put it as. Uh, just in terms of his his size and his ability to do some stuff on the ball, like off the dribble, um, uh, but then the deep shooting range and the, the thin frame. Uh, so the, very interesting to see how all this translates for him because... I mean, they're definitely, for both these guys, there's still areas where you can see they need to get better, where NBA defenses will be able to do some things and they'll have to figure out how to counter that. But just so much potential in both these guys is just crazy. I think you're right. I got some thoughts on Scoot. We'll get to him in a second. I think for Wembenyana, of course, you've pointed this out many, many times. Once you get above 7-2 or so, you know, Rudy Gobert, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, there's really nobody else who hasn't had their career significantly impacted by injuries. Actually, Sean Bradley is probably the one other guy who didn't have that many injuries during his playing career. So you do wonder about that, obviously. And particularly with this mobility, he's not just going to be you know just posting up and, and shooting jump hooks. Like He's going to be out there on the floor. I mean, you saw guys, like, he got fouled twice shooting a three-pointer. I mean, which is okay, so insane. I was yeah. terrified watching this the whole game. So here's the thing. He's huge, right? So people are trying to, like, to contest his shot. You have to be right absolutely on top of him. And the whole game plan against him is to crowd his airspace. And so I think he's going to draw a lot of three-shot fouls because of that. But also, every time he went up and elevated, I was just terrified that somebody would low-bridge him and he'd... And he'd uh, you know, turn his ankle and, and what's that with, as long as his levers are, how is that going to be when that happens time after time? Like that was the one thing watching him just like, Oh man, like he's, <laughs> is he going to keep getting undercut? Is this going to be a problem? Yeah. I, I mean, but the skill level is really good. Now I thought Ralph Sampson to me, that's the, he was also seven, four and it would do some of those crazy dunks along the baseline that Victor's capable of doing where he just kind of reaches around from behind the backboard and dunks it. You see that on some of the other highlights with him. But Ralph also, he was kind of known for being a little bit soft. Um, I think Victor yeah. is a way better shot blocker yeah. than Ralph Sampson was. Don't appreciate you disparaging at the time. But Ralph, you know, wouldn't really overpower guys. He wanted to play the four. Yeah, it's true. I think it's a different game today. I think Victor will play a lot of center. But, you know, also the fact that Victor can shoot threes makes it possible he could play some four. He'd kind of be an Evan Mobley kind of guy at the start of games, potentially next to another center. But I do think, like, he's got to get stronger. And what he's going to be able to do against smaller players to me is going to really determine his fate and whether they you can force the other team to put their center on him and now that guy's going to be just completely dead as well so because it's off the dribble game uh i mean it's incredible for a guy his size it's way better than say porzingis as a driver and so i think if he gets a little bit of space he'll be able to attack but can he really get into the post we saw one play where he turned and faced and just shot over the guy so i mean if he just becomes a dirk Nowitzki level of shooter then fine he'll just do that but i'm interested to see how that's all gonna work yeah i when i watched him i thought fa ajabidi uh the guy from washington state who's on g league elite this year like did a really good job of crowding him and getting into his space when he tried to post him up and i think you're gonna see NBA defenders continue to do that, and he doesn't have a lot of lower body strength right now, uh, so that's going to continue to be a challenge for him. And it's it's going to be interesting because like he got so much off of pick and pop type actions, which I think are going to be NBA defenses are going to switch that, and then it's going to be on him to try to attack that that switch. But if stronger defenders can 
get under him and and keep him off balance and uncomfortable, it's going to be a little bit like when Porzingis posts up, right? So I think that's one of the challenges for Wembenyama is what it, what is he doing for offense beyond a pick and pop? Our defense is going to be able to turn him into, you know, Miles Turner, basically. Yeah, well, and so the two ways to get past that is number one, he's just an amazing shooter. Uh, but number two, that I, I think he has a little bit more bend more moves just more fluidity than Porzingis uh, to attack and get past guys uh you know and I think he does a pretty good knack for drawing drawing fouls as well so uh, I mean what's your feeling right now obviously we'll amend this uh, as we really get into the film before the draft but is he I mean like Mike Schmitz is called him the best prospect he's ever evaluated I mean are you on that type of a level with him I'm not sure I'm quite at that level with him. I mean, obviously, I was really impressed from last night. Uh, the thing we haven't really talked about is he has some stuff to him off the dribble, like where he's picking it. You see him pick pick the ball, take the ball up the court, kind of signal for a, for a screen to come, and then take his man one-on-one off the dribble. And, I mean, his stride length is so long that, like, there's no way somebody can stay with him and contest the shot if he just doesn't lose the dribble or get caught in a crowd. So I, I think there's some real opportunities for him that way, too. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, I think LeBron James as a prospect was obviously in his own level. I think Anthony Davis, you know, is Weminyama quite on that level i'm not sure i can get there yet um but i mean that was really impressive i'm really excited to see uh, i'm going to see him again tomorrow when they play again so i'm really excited to see how that goes and i you know i want to watch him again shoot before the game because you can see guys shoot you know instead of 10 shots you can see him shoot 100 obviously before the game but i was i was impressed with what i what i saw from his shooting uh yet yesterday pregame so you know, in terms of like generational type prospect, uh, probably right now I'd probably go like a, a notch below the LeBron AD kind of level. But, you know, maybe where, uh, who are some other ones? You know, Zion Williamson or John Wall or somebody like that. Yeah, a couple of things there. I, I think uh, on defense is where I think he could be something like something we've never seen before. And he's got pretty darn good mobility he just he hasn't figured it out at all yet in pick and roll defense he hasn't really figured out how to trust his size he's jumping early still a few times when he just doesn't need to do that given his size like i wasn't wowed by his feel for the game watching him Uh, i think his skill level yes but is the feel for the game maybe not as much but i think he'll be able to get there he's certainly well above average for a a typical center uh and then when you talk about the generational prospects i mean so I, i had talked about this uh, on Spotify Live, I think, with Danny, uh, you know, who those guys are. So you probably got, before this, Zion, AD, Greg Oden, at least as far as what their perception was at the time. Yeah. LeBron, Tim Duncan, Shaq, Patrick Ewing, Akeem. Again, this is at the time of the draft, not afterwards. So, you know, MJ wouldn't have been on there. And then you go back to Magic, probably before that, uh, I would say. Or Ross Sampson would probably have been in that, too. Yeah. And... When people th- seem to think that about guys, they're just like, oh, yeah, this is the guy we're tanking for, you know, two years out. Other than with Samson and Odin getting felled by injuries. And I, maybe Odin, we talked about this, too, wasn't quite at that level in the end with the way the game was changing. Yeah. But and they usually seem to do pretty well when that seems is the consensus. And I, I, I would put him in that category. I mean, there's he's doing stuff we've never seen before. I think that's that's pretty fair to say. Anyone who's seen our YouTube videos knows that I don't wear formal stuff all the time. So when it's time to dress up rather than dress down, I highly recommend Inochino. They were the official outfitter of my wedding. I got my tux from there. All my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well. I felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly. Because when you go somewhere else, you're not going to get something that's made for you. So why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a showroom rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed 
to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style so level up your game with indochino go to indochino.com and use the code per easy to remember because john invented it use per to get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that's 10 percent off at indochino i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o indochino.com and don't forget that per code to let them know you came from us I remember after college, before I was going to move on to the next chapter of my life, my buddy and I went to Hilton Head, South Carolina to work some summer jobs and hang out. We had a great time, except for his car. His car was awful. We called it the POS. It was like a 91 Oldsmobile Cutlass Sierra. We're allowed to talk about Oldsmobile now that it's a defunct brand, right? Is that okay? This thing had the turning radius of a World War I battleship, broke down all the time, just a, a miserable vehicle to drive. And when customers are rushing to your store, you want a point of sale system that you can trust, not a real POS like my buddy's car. You need Shopify for retail. It makes it easy to accept payments, manage orders, and build relationships with customers. You can sell in person, backed by everything that you need to sell online, track every sale across your business in one place, know exactly what's in stock, connect with customers in line and online. You can drive in-person store traffic with plug-and-play tools for marketing campaigns on social media. Get great hardware that fits your business, except credit cards, mobile payments, every other major payment method, all with low fees and transparent pricing starting on day one. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support you every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash PER. All lowercase, easy to remember slash PER because John invented PER. Go to shopify.com slash PER to take your retail business to the next level. Today, that's shopify.com slash PER. You want to talk about Scoot a little bit? Yeah. The thing that was noticeable with him, even before the game even started, I mean, he was so amped up. Like, you could tell he came out there and was like, oh, I'm number two? You really think I'm number two? Like, okay, okay, let's go. Uh, yeah. so- and the answer is yes. I do think that. <laughs> but nice job. You'd be number one in any other draft. I mean, I haven't seen the other guys, too, but uh, yeah. But I, I mean, just watching him, I thought, yeah, this is this is a guy who looks totally like a, the part of a possible number one overall pick. Yeah. Uh, you know, I thought the, uh, the the shooting looked good, the athleticism, uh, the the burst. Um, he he profiles as more of a scorer, but I thought he made he made enough passes and most of them were were one read, more one read passes, uh, rather than kind of elite level manipulating the defense type stuff. But I, still, like for his age, like I thought he was pretty good. And yeah, I, I liked it more personally. I I thought there was a stretch where he took over once the Met ninety two got back into contact. I think he even took like a two point lead. He took over and pick and roll going at Wembenyana. And he set up like three or four really good shots in a row. I'm not sure who that the role man was that he had, but he had like a couple of really nice pocket passes where he drew Victor over him. He set up a corner three. I think it was Jenkins. Like I, I thought yeah. actually, I was very impressed for his age and athleticism of the polish he showed in pick and roll personally. Yeah, and the reading what was happening and that they had changed their coverage and that he he was going to have to be more of a distributor. I thought that was very impressive. So yeah. I I got like a, maybe like a prime Derrick Rose vibe kind of uh, from him. Like I, I think his you know his deep ball probably still needs to get a little bit better, but that that'll come with time. Yeah, I mean I thought he looked comfortable with it. Like he hit one step back. He also shot a set shot when he was wide open. I think his handle is really really good. His handle is right up there. I mean it's not yeah. quite the creativity of someone like a Morant yet. But it's just, it's tight, it's fast, it's reactive uh, when someone tries to jump out at it. I, I was, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of like a point guard prospect, at least at this age, you know, he'd be just going into his freshman season. Like I would say, you know, Kyrie is probably a more effortless scorer just with his jump shot. But as far as just a, a fully 
rounded point guard prospect. I think his defensive feet are really good. I thought that was another thing that I was impressed mm-hmm. by. Like I, he's up at the top of just kind of pure point guard size prospects. You know, of the last twenty years, I would say. I mean, Chris Paul, I think, is the guy that he makes the most sense to compare him to to me. But I think actually his deep shooting has probably evolved beyond where Paul. And this is again Chris Paul going into his freshman year at Wake Forest. We're comparing him to. Yeah, I mean, Scoot is much bigger and more athletic too. I mean, Chris Paul is just you know, Chris Paul's IQ was just on a different level. But like, it's funny because Chris Paul was never thought of as like that that guy really like people. You know, even in his draft year, people are like, well, is it Chris Paul or Jarrett Jack? Like, which is who's the best point guard in the ACC, you know? And uh, obviously we got that question answered. But uh, I, I think Scoot is starting from a much higher level even than Chris Paul was. Yeah, I mean, he's taking off from the dotted line on these fast break dunks. Like he's, he's got a lot of uh, athleticism. Any news that's happened over the last uh, couple of weeks that you think we should get into before we talk a little bit about uh, who we think uh, some of the best teams that either end of the floor are going to be? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that that Oklahoma City-Houston trade just has the league, uh, <laughs> it just, just knocks sideways, right? I don't even know how to react. <laughs> Well, we haven't had the only extension we've had is Hero, right? Yes. Or the the I should say the only rookie scale extension we've we had we had Dean Wade's extension too, I think. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, and, and we uh, Nance as well and Stephen Adams, yes, as well. I mean those those I thought were pretty darn straightforward about what you would have expected. Does Hero fall in that category for you, though? So I guess I was a little surprised still, um, just because. So I'm not quite as high on Hero as some other people are. I know Heat fans are all angry with me because I made some snide comments about the Sixth Man Award. But um, I, so I, I questioned it a little from, from that perspective. I understand like where the cap is going with these rookie extensions. It's, it's hard to screw it up, man. Like you're just, you're just getting so much, uh, so much of a lift from, from how much the cap is projected to rise, especially in the out years when you get the third, fourth year of that contract, that even what looks like an overpay is probably going to end up being okay. I'm surprised he got, um, I'm actually a little surprised, like relative to RJ Barrett, like who, who would you pay more Barrett, Barrett or hero? Oh man, that's a that's a tough call. Because uh, Barrett, Barrett got just barely over a hundred million, right? Uh, one hundred seven guaranteed, one twenty with incentives. Uh, it looks like Heroes incentives are pretty pie in the sky, you know, all NBA type of incentives. So mm-hmm. you know, we're we're looking at basically thirty million a year instead of one hundred seven. I'm not sure exactly what Barrett's extensions are yet. Yeah, Barrett's Barrett's cabinet. Yeah, he averages like twenty six and change. I think over you know. The, the the average year on that contract. Um, so I, I guess I'm a little surprised that Hero got more money than Barrett. And it also is interesting because he was Miami's big trade chip. And now it's going to be really hard to trade him because of the poison pill. And so that's going to take Miami out of some scenarios that maybe they would have been looking at otherwise. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good thought. And now it does make him easier to trade next offseason. That so you do give him that he's under contract as opposed to a restricted free agent, and I, there is if it doesn't happen this season, it's going to happen next season where one big chip is going to happen. Like they're not going to be, I don't think, eighteen million dollars into the tax, you know, unless they like maybe make the finals or win the championship or something. But between Hero, Duncan Robinson, and Kyle Lowry, one of those three guys is going to not be on the team next year. It seems almost inevitable that that's going to be the case. Because they're they're just be I mean once they fill out their roster they'll be over twenty million into the tax and you know massive payment oh, unless easily. unless the one thing that might happen is maybe the tax gradations get changed in the new CBA and and they get bailed out there. Yeah, even I mean I mean they don't even have that many players signed and they're this far into the tax like they're they they are really in a in a difficult spot actually if they can't do something with the Lowry or. Or Robinson deals, and they don't have a bunch of draft picks lying around either. So, a little bit. I mean, Miami has wriggled itself out of pickles like this before that seemed intractable, but still, like, not a great situation for Miami right now. 
Yeah, and I guess the, the next question just is, is Hero worth this? I mean, it's in the band. After the Simons contract, obviously, you knew he was going to get more than Simons. And Simons is $25 million a year. This is 30 for him. Would I have thought it'd be more in the 27, 28 range? Yeah, probably. It's also, when you go, oh, you paid $2 million a year extra. Well, that doesn't matter as much when it's the difference between 28 and 30 as opposed to the difference between, I don't know, 12 and 14 or something. Yeah. Uh, back, back when the cap was a lot lower. So I, I don't know if this is a killer. It just, I think it, a lot of it depends what he does this year. You know, and the question that I had about all four of these small guards who came up, Sexton, Simons, Poole is still out there, and Hero is, these guys aren't point guards, probably. Simons, Poole are probably a little bit closer there than Hero and Sexton. But if you're not a point guard and you're this undersized, can't really switch, can't really defend, shooting guard, how valuable is that player like are, can they get up to be a Devin Booker Bradley Beal Zach Levine level of shooting guard or or like a Donovan Mitchell level of player it seems like they're probably a rung below that but then you're like yeah. well okay what is the replacement level right what is the difference between Tyler Hero and what Lou Williams was or Jordan Clarkson and I mean the difference obviously is these guys are I, younger. They've had I mean some playoff moments, to right? me there's but a there's kind of a lot of question at, worth asking yeah yeah um, yeah. So you're, yeah, you're really, you're really banking on them continuing to improve. Now, Hero does have a little more positional size, like he rebounds and stuff, and so you're banking on him becoming competent enough on defense that he could be a starting two. Whereas some, some of these other guys are a little more in between size wise. Yeah. So, what do you think? Pool get done or not get done? Well, I think uh, the Heat just made the Warriors' life more complicated, right? Yeah. That would make sense to me. I, like if you're Jordan Poole's agent, aren't aren't you saying to the Warriors, well, I'm better than this guy, so you you got to do better than this. And the Warriors, I'm sure, are looking at their luxury tax situation going, no, yeah, we might want to just play this one out before we commit here. Yeah, I, I do think that Poole has the highest upside of any of the four guys that we talked about. And I think he has the best chance of being adequate on defense. I think ultimately, if I could get him for that hero price... I ultimately would just go ahead and bite the bullet and do it. I, I think he's tradable at that number if you have to do it. So just get him under contract. I mean, who knows? Like they don't have control over Andrew Wiggins and Draymond Green. They presumably, if they offer him enough, they'll come back. They like it there, but unrestricted yeah. free agency, you just never know. And so this is a good player that they can keep. That's young, and I, I think you just you bite the bullet and do it. All right, if he wants. 32 million a year like okay maybe not right but i, I think or, or do you include some more incentives in there maybe I, i'm just i'm very curious to see how this data point is used by both sides but it seems like you're really in a probably a three million dollar per year band at this point as far as like what would realistically be offered and accepted so you think a deal probably has to get done at that point you would think so, unless unless Poole is insisting on the max. I mean, that that would be the only thing that would. Well, yeah, yeah. At that point, then there's not much downside. Yeah, yeah. To, to not much downside to waiting. You mean, right? Uh, yeah. If, if yeah. you're the Warriors, exactly. Uh, and, and obviously, Poole hasn't made much in his career either. I think, but he, he is a guy who re- really does not lack for confidence and has gotten better every year. So you could still see him rolling the dice. I would imagine, though, and I think you should at that level be able to craft a deal with maybe more reachable incentives where the Warriors would be like, okay, we are comfortable playing you 30 million a year, or even more than that. If you hit these, you know, particularly over the life of this contract too, right? It's not even about this year. He's going to be under contract for presumably four years after this one. Yeah. 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 So that would be, that'd be like a, a sneaky incentive would be like put in a championship incentive too, which would, sure. would, would not count for this year, but would for the years after when, Steph, Draymond, and Clay are a little older. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. 
It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, you want to talk about the best offenses and defenses in the NBA here because I did this exercise over the last couple of days. I've been doing the hour-long team outlooks, and I've got 22 of those in the books now. Okay. And I still really struggled. I, I don't have a great understanding. I wanted to kind of talk through it with you and see if we, I could get some more clarity uh, on who some of the best offenses and some of the worst offenses uh, and if we have time, defenses. Otherwise, we'll get to that next week. So uh, any team that you're... And I usually like to do this in tiers. So is there any team where that you look at and you're just like, this team for sure is going to be a top-tier offense, you know, a top-five level of offense this year? Okay, so I'd say there's two teams that I look at. Uh, Denver Nuggets and Brooklyn Nets. So this is if healthy. They're all if healthy. I mean, that that's the one, <laughs> because it's all contingent on, on these elite-level offensive talents. If they miss games, like, forget it, right? Well, they're all if healthy, but some teams are more healthy than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it, very Orwellian, uh, but yeah, I I think you know Brooklyn. I picked their under. I think it was forty nine and a half, just because of the implosion risk. And also, I'm a little bit worried to uh, the implosion risk, the injury risk, and I think they might just, suck on you know, defense. Yeah, well, the first game would seem to indicate that uh, the first preseason game, which, as we know, is uh, the arbiter of all that will happen over, over <laughs> eighty two. Yeah, I, I mean, Brooklyn would have to be in my top two. I mean, if you just look since they've been together the last two years, or, you know, Harden and whether Joe Harris available or not or whatever, with KD and Kyrie on the floor, they're like a 120. <laughs> like, yeah. it's just ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I think as long as those guys are healthy and playing, and even against the Celtics where it seemed like they were getting shut down, they still they couldn't stop the Celtics, but they still actually had, I think, the best performance of any offense against the Celtics last year and they have uh, so much shooting around those guys too i mean yeah when you have curry and harris and mills and even like you know o'neill's like your fifth guy who's a good open shooter like there's just a there's just a lot of lot of weapons there not really any front court weapons but just so many perimeter weapons yeah the only downside i would say is they're gonna start simmons and claxton together but even then i think they have enough shooting that and mid-range scoring in the half court that they're still going to be pretty good and and they're going to run a lot too Simmons will help them push the pace even more than they have in previous years they Harden kind of slowed them down a little bit uh, other than the hit ahead passing but I think being able to outlet the ball at Simmons have him push and then find Katie and Kyrie is uh or Joe Harris trailing the play that's it's gonna be pretty devastating um yeah I think Denver would have to be in there for me too I mean just again the numbers with Jokic on the floor now are we going to get Mike Malone five-man bench units with no spacing? Yeah, you know, like are are we going to see like Bruce Brown just you know being as like a, like a guy off the bench, like not really playing that much with the starters? Uh, even in their base lineups, they don't have amazing shooting on this team, right? I, I mean Porter Jr. Yes, but KCP is probably a little below average at this point. Gordon is very below average. Yeah. Uh, and again, you wonder about the health of Porter Jr. I thought he and Murray both looked pretty decent a couple of nights ago, which makes you feel good at least. But those guys are going to be on the every other game plan, the 30 minutes a game plan. We're not going to see Murray playing, I think, on the second unit next to, uh, uh, you know, staggered from Jokic as much just due to the minutes limitation. So I do think their bench might be bad still on offense, but whatever. Highland, Braun, Brown, Green, Najee, you're, you're worried about that unit? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the, uh, a, a lot of colors, but not a lot of made shots. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think, but uh, whenever Jokic and Murray are on the floor together and Porter now can shift down into more of a, that elite play finishing role. Yeah, I, I think that you got to talk about them this was, as being up there for sure. This was the number six offense last year, a tenth of a point out of fifth, with zero games from Murray or Porter. So, I mean, maybe, you know, Jokic maybe isn't going to play every game under quite the load that he did last year. But, I I mean, to 
I, th- I think they can at least nudge themselves up to fifth or fourth, right? Yeah, I, I would think so. And I also, it's worth noting, I think, that we kind of forget that most players in the league like missed three or four games due to COVID last year. And maybe those are games that they would have missed due to nagging injuries or whatever anyway. But we maybe can pencil guys in for a few more games than they had last year. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, when we look at that. So right, I think those two are the ones I feel I would say the strongest about. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. The GM survey came out yesterday. They picked Golden State yeah. as last the year's, best offense. Yeah. Last year's number 17 offense. Now, the, the the Warriors have a case to be better than that, obviously, based on what they showed in the playoffs once they had Clay back in the lineup. You know, you have Curry, Thompson, Poole. But, I, I mean, Golden State to me is still more of a defensive team than people – realize especially at the at the regular season level um but what's what's your take on them i think steph curry is going to have a better regular season this year statistically yeah he had an his regular season last year was uh his worst one in in like a decade yeah i I mean he just couldn't make shots Uh, that's the biggest problem like he's just shooting below 40 percent from three i i think history has shown that he'll he even if he's going to take it a little easier or whatever like he's the ball's going to just go in for him more than it did a year ago. Having Clay the entire season, if they being able to play Clay, Poole, and Steph together, I think in the regular season will be very tenable. And I think those units uh, will look really good. Um, but yeah, after that, you do kind of wonder like they're, they're, but I don't think many of their guys that they lost were just like so awesome on offense. I, you know, Porter was really good the first half of the year, but then he really struggled the second half of the year, didn't play that much. Uh, and even uh, on offense early on, I think they were top five for you know maybe the first month and a half of the year, and then when Steph started falling off, that wasn't the case anymore. You know, I still think they might be my pick for the number one playoff offense. Maybe, maybe it would be Brooklyn if they're fully mm-hmm. healthy, but uh, you know obviously Golden State will be way better on defense. So I, I think they could easily be number one. I just it, it just doesn't feel like they will be. I mean, they just haven't had those level of results in the regular season. And, and yeah. I do think they're going to be a lot better. Like, Poole's going to just get a lot more reps. Having just that one more shooter on the floor in clay is going to really open things up. It's just a question of how seriously are they taking the regular season. But usually that applies well, more to defense than offense. That That's the other thing is that, I mean, I think it applies to the offense just from the extent of, like, how many games are they really going to play Steph? If you know what I mean, if he just like if he has a little thing that's bothering him, they'll just be like, okay, take a week, you know. Like I don't think they care if they end up as the third seed. Yeah, but they might be in a dogfight for the third seed. We'll, we'll see. And, and Wiggins is he going to take a step forward? Like I don't know if he's going to shoot it quite as well this year. He's not an incredibly efficient player either. And so he's another possible question mark whether he could take a step forward to be more of an efficient finisher. Yeah, maybe. Uh, I think Poole is going to be really good this year. So I, they're kind of more in this next group to me. Who okay. else would you have as as a possible candidate? Uh, so I have two other teams that I feel pretty good about being in the top five offenses this year. Uh, one of them is last year's number two offense, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. I, think I am selling the Atlanta Hawks as a top five offense. Really? Season. Okay, here's yeah. my case. I think as long as you have Trey Young, right, like he's – He's an offense unto himself. And then with the addition of Murray, the non-Trey minutes should be less awful than they've been in the past. Uh, so between those two things, uh, I, I think they're, I think they stay in the top five this year. Yeah, I'm just not a Murray believer. Um, and I also think that Herter and Gallo are both really good three-point shooters, and they just haven't replaced them from a shooting standpoint. They should be better on defense. Uh, but Murray, I don't like the Trey Murray fit. I don't even think that Murray is going to be a guy who really drives like amazingly efficient offense. Like maybe it's going to be more he can lead you to below averageness, which is, is better than they've been. But still, yeah. when Trey's off the floor, and I'm not sure how effective Trey can be without a true spread pick and roll threat. Like it's going to be John Collins playing at the four a lot more. Their backup four is going to be Jalen Johnson, I guess now, who's pretty unproven. You know, I don't, Akongu, I don't see him taking a big step forward on offense this year. DeAndre Hunter, you know, he's, he doesn't really have the volume of some of the guys that they've had. He's an injury risk too. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm Bogdan, worried about, yeah. now I am worried about Bogdanovich's knees. Yeah. Um, 
uh, as well, uh, based on how last year ended. And if he can, ha- he was really good the second half of last season. And yeah. so that, that could be a negative. Uh, they do have shooting potentially from AJ Griffin. Uh, so I'm interested to see how that works out. Um, and then you got La Familia Holiday, man. Yeah, I mean, he could, they couldn't really hit any shots last year either. So I just, I, I don't think they're going to shoot the, like, the reason, obviously, Trey's brilliance, but they've been a very good shooting basketball team the last two years, and they're, they're just not going to be that this year, I don't think. And, and I think they're going to be, and they don't even actually take as many threes as you would expect. Uh, I also worry that with Hunter and with Murray, they're, there's going to be some McMillanization from the mid-range with these guys. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I, I am selling the Hawks as a top wow. five. Okay. I know they're number okay. two last year. Trey is brilliant, obviously. Like, I'm trying not to get wrapped up in how bad he was in the playoffs. Like, he was an amazing regular season offensive player last year. He could also take a step back as a shooter, though. I, I think he was he upped his numbers last year by just making a lot more shots than he had in the past he didn't get to the foul line as much so is that shooting is going to be able to consolidate those shooting gains or could he drop back into that 34 35 percent range from three i think it was 38 last year so yeah I, i'm a little further down on the hawks I mean, okay yeah part of why this is so interesting i mean this is cleaning the glass numbers I know you're just looking at nba.com but utah is the number one offense i don't think that's gonna happen this yeah. year atlanta i see them taking a step back memphis and milwaukee were four and five Mm-hmm. Charlotte was six, Minnesota was seven, uh, and then Brooklyn and Denver were eight and nine. Uh, you know, I think they're maybe a little higher on NBA.com, but that's part of why this is so interesting to me. Hey, what about the Suns? Are the Suns going to be top five on offense this year? Uh, I think they're going to be in the next five. Yeah. I think they'll still be good, um, even if, you know, whatever bad juju is going on over there. Um, uh, I just... They they don't they don't have the one like super high level guy. I mean Booker's close. Um, they you know minus Crowder and how that situation resolves itself. I think maybe they're a little short on shooting. The depth situation in the backcourt is not great. Um, so I I think there's just there's just too many kind of little things that you can pick at. I I'm more comfortable with them in the six to ten range. Um, I'll bring up another team though who I haven't heard you mention. Yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah, that's another one where I feel a little bit more in the 6 to 10 range, but I could see them being top 5 absolutely if James Harden is really back. Yeah, and that's he looks pretty good and, he's, and he's the whole question obviously, but I also think they've done a lot to more better optimize what's around Harden and Embiid. Um you know, but bringing in Tucker House, Melton, I think the bench units are going to be better. Uh, Montrez Harrell, I think like regular season offense, you know, when Embiid is out, either yeah. injured or, or second unit, you know, he can he can really jack up the offense there. Uh, I, ju- I just think there's a lot to like on this team now, but it, it's, a, it's a bet on Harden at the end of the day. Yeah, I think that's fair. and But also just having a more normal team with, actual shooting I, I think they definitely could get there that's another health one we just haven't seen that group over the full season but yeah that Harden and bead pick and roll could certainly be devastating i would pick the clippers though before them really? I, I know the clippers really struggled offensively do you want to know what the la clippers with a team that i would say probably was worse around him do you want to know what the clippers rating net rating was or, or i'm sorry offensive rating was with Kawhi leonard on the floor in the 2021 season uh, with Kawhi on the floor in the 21 season. Uh, I do not know that. 123.4. Wow. Now, that team was one of the greatest shooting teams ever. I think they shot more than 40% from three as a team, and you had uh, a bunch of guys kind of having some career years there. But And Kawhi, of course, he'll be on the same thing, 30 minutes a game, not playing backs-to-backs, all that. Uh, I do think, you know, we didn't really get to see this team fully healthy, even with Paul George very much and they were a pretty bad offensive team last year but we didn't even get to see him with norm powell who's a a very efficient finisher luke Kennard's like probably not even going to play i think he led the nba in three-point shooting last year if they need that they're going to get more of a transition element with john wall assuming he's runs into form reggie jackson should be a lot more efficient now that he doesn't have to be the primary creator for most of the year they're going to play a lot of five out i think there's just too much talent here 
uh, I, I think they're going to be a top five offense. And, and it's just certainly in games Kawhi plays, you would have to say that. Yeah, I overall for them, I think I'm a little more comfortable with them in the second five. Um, the one, I mean, could, Kawhi's going to miss some time. Two, the Kawhi and George thing, like it can sometimes degenerate into like a hailstorm of mid-range Jays. Uh, which is yeah, it's not pretty. I, I just, but it just works. I, I mean, I think your biggest argument to me is just Kawhi, PG, Marcus. More like these guys are all just old enough that they don't have it as much anymore. That would be my biggest reason to believe that they won't be a really good offense. Yeah, yeah. So uh, now I do think they'll be much better than they were a year ago. If I mean Kawhi missed the whole year. The other thing people forget: Paul George only played like thirty-one games. So yeah. The offense was like, you know, Reggie Jackson hand grenades at the end of the shot clock. Um, so it's, it's definitely going to be way better than it was last year. Um, not quite sure I'm going to take them in the top five. I think, I think I might like Milwaukee a little better. Yeah, that's interesting. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I, I'm just not sure Milwaukee is going to be able to shoot the ball as well. Like Drew Holiday shooting 40% on off-the-dribble threes. Don't know how much time Chris Middleton is going to miss. Like He seems to have actually slipped a little bit these last couple of years, even when he has been available. Um you know, I mean, I think they have kind of slanted more towards being an offensive team. Like, if they're going to play Bobby Portis a lot, he'll help the offense. Yeah, I'm just, I, I think I just like some of these other teams better. Like, I think Milwaukee's going to be good. I don't mm-hmm. think they have. Because, like, if I'm putting you in the top five, I want to kind of believe, like, you could be number one. Okay. Uh, and and I'm, not, I'm not sure I see that from Milwaukee to really get to that type of level. But they've consistently been higher than you kind of would think. Uh, and Giannis keeps getting better. So, I, I, I wouldn't say no on that i have them kind of in the next year i mean this is why this is so difficult again there's so many of these good offenses i think there's two other teams that i flirted with in my top tier what about the portland trailblazers they've been pretty good over the last few years when dame has been in the lineup yeah that's been their history that when dame has been available they've been pretty pretty repeatable as a top five offense Uh, i think there's a couple things here one are we going to get the all-NBA version of Damian Lillard? Obviously, is the first question. Uh, but two, when you look at the rest of that team, like C.J. McCollum was a much better partner in crime for him, I think, than Anthony Simons because C.J. was more capable of playing off the ball and doing some of those things while Lillard did his work on the ball. So interested to see how that fit is. And then the non-Lillard minutes with this second group which i think is not very good uh i just don't know if there's enough supporting cast there to support a top five offense like, i don't think the blazers are going to get lit on defense quite the way they did the last three years but i also i i don't think it's i don't think it's going to be quite as elite at the offensive end either i think they're going to pull a little more toward the middle on both sides than 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 we've seen historically yeah you know i think simon's if he can embrace the role. His catch and shoot numbers from three have been pretty ridiculous. Talking about that with Mike Richmond the other day on Dunkdown Prime. But I think uh, you're right that he's got to kind of find a, a way to be as effective playing next to Dame as he was without him last year. Um, you know, Jeremy Grant does give them an element of attacking from the wing offensively that they haven't had. It's just my question is how efficient he can be potentially. Um, you know, if they play Gary Payton the second, how is that going to affect their offense? So I, I think they're worth discussing. I would not pencil them in for top five necessarily either. How about the Dallas Mavericks? I just don't think there's enough there. I mean, they were 15th last year and Luka played most of the games. Uh, I understand you have Christian Wood there now who's a, as a front court option 
which could probably juice the offense. But you also lost Brunson. Uh, so I think some of those non-Luka minutes might not be as positive. So I, I have a hard time seeing Dallas getting all the way up there. Yeah, I think Luka has come in in good shape this year. He was just so bad the first two and a half months of last year. And but that's true. Then after January first, he was awesome. Now uh, part of that surge was their defense. But I think Christian Wood, like they haven't, and I think actually Javale McGee is a guy who probably doesn't get enough credit for how good he is offensively as a guy who's going to have like a twenty usage and sixty five percent true shooting. They just didn't have that the last couple of years after mm-hmm. Powell tore his Achilles. And Luca is great finding these role guys if they want to go with a five out with Kleba and Wood together I like that pairing a lot I think I think they're going to be right up there and I you know guys like Reggie Bullock shot it terribly the first half of last year Tim Hardaway Jr. will shoot it better this year I think he was in the low 30s so I, I think they're going to be better offensively I just my biggest concern is as you mentioned is the depth I think with Luca off the floor or there are going to be plenty of games where one of Luca or Dinwiddie aren't available and they just did like if they just signed Kemba Walker I would feel better about them <laughs> at this point in time. Wow. Like, I mean, I mean, like Kevin Walker, I think, could be an okay backup point guard. So, uh, anyone else worth considering here? I mean, we talked about Phoenix. I Pelicans. Right up there. Yeah. Yeah, the Pels. That's a that's a really, really interesting one, too. Um, and I, I, I'm i not going to pencil them in there because I think the lack of spacing and uh, they're yeah. just going to take a lot of mid-rangers. But, I mean, Zion, with a much worse supporting cast, was... They were kind of touching that level with him on the floor two years ago. Yeah. And, you know, will they just mash so many layups with with Zion and Valanciunas that that it just doesn't matter what their other numbers are from outside the paint? Yeah. And Valanciunas is a pretty good offensive center. I mean, the, the lack of spacing could end up hurting them and they might have to go with some more defensive guys off the bench. But, it, yeah, that could be really interesting. So I've got three teams in my bottom tier. I'm interested to see whether you th- have the same three down there and whether you think anyone should join them. Here's my three. Okay. Oklahoma City Thunder. Clearly. Yeah. San Antonio Spurs. Yep. Orlando Magic. Yep. I think those are all rock-solid bets to end up in the bottom five. Uh, maybe maybe Orlando wouldn't be. Uh, maybe Paolo would just be that good. But I, I think they're still pretty light on shooting. And I mean, just... You know, they're going to play Jalen Suggs again. Like their backcourt is just yeah. going to be inefficient. I think that's so there's too many bad, problem. too many bad guards in in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, and you know, be, rookie Bancaro still learning the ropes or whatever. I think he'll have some games where he's really good. I just don't know how over the over the 82, like how consistent that is. So I, I'll, I'll, yeah, pretty pretty good bets for the bottom bottom five. Those three teams definitely. Yeah, and if OKC, if Shea and Holmgren had been healthy, maybe I would start thinking of them escaping this. But and their offensive front court is atrocious. Shea, I, they're talking about him coming back pretty early on, but then of course he's going to be injured again for the last two months of the season. You just got to yeah. write something down a, a, on the report. What, what do you think it'll be this year? By the way, uh, uh, what's on the uh, the tanking Shea Gilgis Alexander bingo that we haven't hit? Let's see. Um, huh. Left we, hamstring we have, tightness? Nothing to worry about. Yeah, it's just tightness, but he's out for two yeah, months. Yeah, but yeah, you need to get a less common muscle group, though. Um, okay. Yeah, they're know. very hyper-specific. Uh, I mean, when you have a, a director of insight and foresight, you're able to really yeah. come up with these a little bit better. Yeah. Uh, like a right trapezius uh, abrasion. I don't think Shea Gilles Alexander has any trapezius muscles. He might be too skinny for that. Okay. (laughs) But I I, I laud your creativity. Uh, Yeah, but but anyway, I mean, I think they just don't have, I mean, their lead creator is a guy who had a 48% true shooting last year in Giddy. And I'm bullish on Jalen Williams, but that's, and then Shea coming back, like we'll see whether, I don't know whether he's going to shoot the ball the way he did two years ago either. That was a pretty small sample. Is there anyone else you would throw into that bottom group? You know, I was actually looking at this, trying to figure out who could join them at at the bottom. And I'm actually having a little bit of a hard time. Um, you know, that the 
Detroit was 28th last year. They could be bad again. Yeah. Uh, pre, um, Pre-Boyan, I probably would have yeah. had them in this group. I, I've got them comfortably in the next year in the 25 to 27 range. <laughs> Moving up in the world are, are the Pistons. Yeah. Um, I, I actually think I actually think they could potentially depending you know what kind of jump you get from Cade what I actually think they could maybe end up even half a notch above that um Utah was the number one offense last year I actually think there are still good offensive players left on that team like I I could see them being tragic on defense but I think they'll actually be still be pretty decent on offense um yeah, least- I have them. I have them in this group. I just figured they're going to find a way, and we're just going to see a lot. Of, like we're going to see some tanking. We're going to see a lot of Jared, but like they're going to pull a Portland from last year. I'm guessing yeah. down the end. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one because Portland was 27th in offense at the end of last year, but it was entire. They did it all in the last two months. Um, Indiana. So Indiana. Indiana quietly was actually an above average offense after they made the Halliburton trade last year. Yeah. Isn't that crazy to think? I mean, now their defense was a, <laughs> yeah. let's not talk about that. So I, I but I think, and they're going to be playing all these small guards. Like they're not going to be able to stop anyone, but I think they'll just have enough shooting that they'll kind of figure it out. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to escape the twenties necessarily. Um, I have Houston uh, in that next group as well with Detroit and Utah. I just think like they've got a lot of offensive guys. Like you think, oh, they're running gun, high powered. Yeah, but I mean, still their best offensive player is probably Jalen Green. He's the second year guy, and he actually was more efficient than people remember last year. But I'm, they just don't have like the high end talent or really uh, the spot up shooting to me to to get to a point that's going to be uh, out of the. Now I think they all these teams are young enough that they have guys who might take a step forward and then change things. But um, yeah, but Houston is just kind of like. This sort of crazy, reckless, helter skelter, but yeah, I they're they're not going to be like they're not going to be with these bottom three teams that we talked about. But could they be twenty sixth or twenty seventh? I mean, they were twenty sixth a year ago, and uh, you know, especially if they trade Eric Gordon, like did they are they, they going to be that much better than that? Like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Yeah, and now the nature of these two is that once you get into the mid twenties, you're kind of probably closer to you know, 20th or the high teens than you are to 30th. You usually get some outliers, you know, where I think like OKC and Detroit for much of last year were like, you know, 1.5, two points per 100 worse than basically anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think Orlando was in that category too. So I, there is actually, I meant to mention these guys and I forgot it. I don't have them in my highest tier of offenses. Okay. But would you care to guess who per uh, cleaning the glass was the number two offense in the NBA after January 1st last year. After January 1st, the number two offense in the NBA. Was it Charlotte? It was not Charlotte. They were sixth overall. They they lost Miles Bridges, but I you know they, they probably need to at least be slightly talked about. The Minnesota Timberwolves, John. Yeah. Um, I, I think that trade really tilted them um, away from shooting and it's going to make it harder for them to have an elite offense. And they, I mean, what it does for them defensively, you'd have to say is worth it, right? Like, sure. I'm, I'm not arguing that, but uh, I I don't know if they're going to hit quite as quite as much of a ceiling offensively. Yeah, I think their starters should be about the same. I'm a little worried about the bench offense, though, with Kyle Anderson now coming in. Malik Beasley quietly was shooting like 10 threes per 36 minutes, 11 threes per 36 minutes. They're going to miss him. Beverly was a, at least a quality spot up option, even if he wasn't a volume guy. So they're kind of, they're kind of missing those guys. You know, Jordan McLaughlin hasn't really been efficient in his career. Like they're, they're I think just the bench offense is going to kind of struggle, particularly when Towns is out of the game. So that I, I agree with you, uh, but they certainly, it's not like, Rudy Gobert is a worse offensive player than Jared Vanderbilt, right? And that that starting lineup was actually very good. Yeah, they just, I mean, they lost so many three-pointers. I, I just worry about that. All right, well, this is a lot of fun. Again, a reminder that you can sign up for Dunked on Prime, which is where the only place to hear our next episode next week, where we'll get into our preseason disagreements. We'll talk about 
some of the best and worst defenses in the NBA. And obviously, we're going to have some more rookie extensions we'll surely have to hit on as well. But we look forward to seeing you over on Dunktown Prime. There's a link on how to sign up in the show notes. And this is our one-time only sale that we're going to have up until John officially joins Dunktown Prime next week. We hope to see you all there. Till then. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.